the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. When you come to the New Testament, the original language of the New Testament is Greek, and the Greek word for house is the word oikos, and it's a word that has a lot of breadth of meaning and depth of meaning. The word oikos means a house as it refers to you as a person. You are building a house. Your life is a house. It is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're building a house perhaps with a family, marriage, relationship, kids. You're building a house in the work that you do. A lot of things that you are building in your life represents the building of a house or an oikos. And when it comes to building your house, your own life, or your family, your extended uh, relationships of home, uh, maybe your work environment, when you're building a house, you can build it well or you can build it poorly. It's extremely important that we learn how to build well. And the Bible is very clear with instructions as to how we are to go about building our house. And one of those things that's essential to build a good house is to make sure that you have a good security system. Spiritual enemies are targeting your house. There are spiritual enemies that are targeting your house. This is perhaps no more clear than in the second, third, and fourth chapters of the book of Genesis. By the time you get to the very early stages of the Bible, you begin to see a house under attack. God created Adam and Eve. You can read about this in Genesis chapter 2, and he brought them together in marriage And Adam and Eve, this man and wife, had their relationship sealed by God. There was no, never in history has there been a better forming of a marriage than this marriage. They were picked out by God to be partners for life, one with with another. God established this home. He established this household. And so this was the perfect family living in the perfect environment. They were living in the Garden of Eden. You can't even imagine anything more perfect than what Adam and Eve experienced. By the time you get to the third chapter of the book of Genesis, you see something happening in this family unit. Let me take you there in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1. Adam and Eve are together, having a great marriage with one another. The Bible says they were both naked and unashamed, living in the garden, had an amazing experience, relationship with one another. And then chapter 3, verse 1 brings us into this crisis moment. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Here's Adam and Eve in this beautiful garden, and now we see an invader. We see someone stepping in, a usurper stepping in, and he's identified here as the serpent. I think all of us know with any theological background or Sunday school training, we recognize that the serpent is none other than the devil, none other than Satan himself entering in to try to tempt Adam and Eve to veer away from God's plan for their life. And so there's this moment where there's an external spiritual attack that comes against Adam and Eve. 
And the same is true for your life and the same is true for your family. The same is true for your house. You and I must recognize that as we go through life, we are going to face external spiritual attacks. There is a serpent that wants to find his way into your house to create destruction. I say that to inform you so that you can be properly prepared. And that's part of what we're looking at in this series. How do you prepare yourself for these kind of attacks? But the serpent showed up on the scene. Now, this leads to the next thing in the story. There's been the the enticement, the temptation of the serpent. He's shown up trying to wreak havoc in this family. But now you see that Adam and Eve play a part in the story as well. In verses 2 through 7 of Genesis chapter 3, we find these words, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil." When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. First of all, you see this external attack. The serpent shows up to attack this family, to attack this household. But now you see Adam and Eve in conversation with the serpent, yielding to the temptation of the serpent, and now they accept a level of personal responsibility. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Eve ate of it. Adam ate of it. The enemy did not force them to eat. They ate of their own free will. They made a choice. And that is exactly how the serpent will work in your family. He will entice you towards certain things that are wrong, but ultimately you will make the decision to either cooperate with God, obey God, or to cooperate with the adversary. And when you do, it leads to the third thing I want to talk about briefly for a moment. That's the moral, the spiritual, the emotional, the relational decay or brokenness that happens as a result of cooperating with the serpent. I promise you that when Satan entices you towards something that is wrong, something that is away from God, he shows up in your house to attack you in, in a certain way. And, you, and when you and I agree with him and yield to his enticements, then it's only going to lead to bad places. Adam and Eve now entered into a terrible time in their relationship. For the first time in all of their history, they now were afraid. They'd never been afraid before. They now recognize that they were naked and they needed to sew fig leaves together to cover themselves. So there's shame there in the relationship. There's fear, there's shame, and there's blame that begins to happen in the relationship. Everything is going downhill. Why? Because sin, the serpent, has entered in. And by the time you get to chapter 4 of this very same book, Genesis chapter 4, it's passed on to their children as well. And Cain murders his very own brother Abel. I will tell you, there's a serpent There's an enemy that is after your house. And the choice that we have to make is whether we will cooperate with the adversary or cooperate with God. And if you and I choose to go the way of the serpent, then there's nothing but brokenness that we're going to experience in life morally and spiritually and emotionally and relationally. This warning about the attacks of this enemy are found all throughout the pages of the Bible. Let me give you another illustration from the Old Testament, then we'll look at the New Testament in just a moment. In the Old Testament, there was a man by the name of Nehemiah. You might remember him. 
Nehemiah was charged with the responsibility of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem after the Jews had returned from Babylonian captivity. They had failed to rebuild the protective walls. And so they were living in Jerusalem, but they did not have a security system. And so enemies could come in any time and cause them all kind of trouble and harm. And so Nehemiah goes back to Jerusalem along with the Jews there. And, and the decision is we're going to rebuild these walls so that we will be protected. And so as soon as they started building a security system, rebuilding the walls of the city, they came under attack. Sanballat, Tobiah, and a variety of others began to attack Nehemiah and the people because they were building something that was going to provide security for them. There was an external attack, and Nehemiah had to rise up and make a very strong statement to those who were the rebuilders. Notice his statement in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse number 14. After I looked things over, talking about looking over the walls and looking over the situation with the enemies approaching, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And notice this, fight for your families. Fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. One translation of says your houses, your homes, your houses. Fight for them. Nehemiah says you've got to put up a fight. You have to resist because there's an enemy that's trying to take territory from you. Paul, the apostle, reminded us of this attack that all of us are under in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. And he's sobering us with these words. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Whose schemes? The devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul says, in your homes, in your houses, in your families, in your relationships, don't make the other person your enemy. You're not fighting people. Our battle is not with flesh and blood. There's an invisible spiritual force that wants to find his way into your relationships and wreak havoc destroy relationships and destroy your life. And that one is the devil. Be aware of him and be aware of his devices and stand firm against him. Peter echoes this in 1 Peter 5 verse 8. Be alert and of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Folks, I would submit to you this morning that if Paul and Peter believed in the reality of the devil and the intent of the devil to attack us, I believe that we should accept that as a reality as well. Would you agree? Jesus himself pointed to this in, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 43. Now, before I read this verse, I want to make it very clear that this entire passage, Matthew 24, is a, a passage about Jesus' second coming. It's called the Olivet Discourse. Jesus gave this discourse, this sermon, if you will, on, on the Mount of Olives, talking about the day that he would come back again. But in the context of this Olivet Discourse, this sermon that Jesus came, gave us about his second coming, he gives us a little nugget of truth that is so valuable to us about our houses that I did not want to miss the opportunity of sharing it with you. Matthew 24, verse 43. These are the words of Jesus. But understand this. If the owner of the house, what are we talking about in this series? The house, right? If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. I'm going to encourage you to circle some words there on your notes. If the owner of the house, circle that phrase, the house, your house, okay, 
had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would, he would have kept watch and would not have circled this phrase or underlined it, let his house be broken into, would not have let his house be broken into. Let's, let's look at this, message, this, this verse for a moment. Jesus said, if you knew that a thief was coming to break into your house, let's say you received a text message this afternoon from your local thief. He says, hi, I'm your local thief, and I'll be at your house at 2 a.m. this morning. It's coming morning. I'm coming to steal everything you got. I've done it all around your neighborhood. You're next on my list. What would you be doing about 1 a.m.? If he says, I'm going to show up at 2 a.m., some of you even before that, you'd have all of the Montgomery County Police Department at your house, right? Okay. We're going to catch this guy. Why? Because you know when he's coming. Here's the thing you have to, you have to realize. When it comes to our spiritual enemy, you don't know when he's coming. You don't know when he's going to show up in your house. That was the point that Jesus was making. He said, you don't know when I'm going to come. You don't know when a thief is going to come. Jesus comes as a thief in the night. But there's a thief coming to your house, and you don't know when he's coming. And when he comes, he wants to break into your house. Notice that phrase I asked you to circle or highlight or underline a moment ago, break into your house. The actual Greek rendering of that term means to dig under the foundation and dig through your house. See, here's what you must recognize. When the enemy comes, he doesn't all, generally always come with every, all of his full force at once. He comes little by little and finds ways to dig in so he can get his claws, his influence in your house. Romans 14, verse 19. Listen to it. So then, make it your top priority. Now, when God says something is a top priority, what does that mean? It means put it at the top of the list, right? So then, make it your top priority to live a life of peace with harmony in your relationships, eagerly seeking to strengthen and encourage one another. I'll come back to this verse in a moment. Notice Ephesians 4, verse 29. We're told about how to behave in our relationships and never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. And so now Paul is talking to us about the way we speak, the way that we communicate. First Thessalonians 5 verse 11. Therefore, encourage, not discourage, encourage one another and build each other up. Don't tear each other down, build each other up, just as in fact you're doing. So we're talking here about encouragement. Matthew 7, 12. Would you read this together with me aloud and loudly across our campuses? Let's read. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. We perhaps know this better. Do unto others as you would have others to do unto you. What do we call that? We call that the golden rule. Why? Because it's what creates blessing and benefit in your life. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Now, here's what I want you to see. Listen closely. You can do all the praying that you want to do in your house. You can pray from sunrise to sunset. You can declare all the scriptures you want to declare over your house. You can get outside your house and march around your house in the name of Jesus and claim victory in your house. But if you bring the devil in with you, I promise you all the praying and all the declaration and all the marching around your house is not going to do a single thing for you if the devil is living through you with the attitudes and actions you bring through the door yourself. It's not going to be an antidote to all that. So I'm going to tell you today how to do this. I'm going to give you eight things in the next few moments. Eight very important, actual, practical steps that you can take today that will help you to start this process. Now, before I 
go to those eight things, I want to remind you of what we talked about last weekend. These messages are somewhat cumulative. Do you remember last weekend from, uh, from Matthew chapter 7, I believe it was, that I talked about uh, Jesus said that the wise man builds his house on a rock, right? Remember that part of the story? Anybody remember that last week? Okay, okay. And the wise man who builds his house on the rock, when the storms come, the foundation is there and it's secure. And the wise man is very clearly described for us as a man who hears the word of God and puts it into practice, right? Okay. Not just hearing. I emphasized that last weekend. You happen to remember that, right? But you hear it and you put it into practice. It's not just enough to hear it. There are a lot of people today that will go to messages all around the world and sit in services like we're sitting today. They will hear a message that will describe for them how they are to live, what Jesus wants to do in their life, etc., but they will never put it into practice. Does that have any benefit to them? No. It only has a benefit when you put it into practice. So today I'm going to give you some practical things to do. Eight practical things to do that will establish a secure environment in your home. And I'm going to use the word liberate because what I've discovered in life that when you're in a secure environment that is filled with peace, it is very liberating, is it not? The first one, L, write it down. Here's the key. You have to learn to lean into relationships. What I mean by leaning in, let's use the posture concept for a moment. If I am in a conversation with you, you've, all of you have had conversations with people where they, when you're, when you're conversing with them, they're like, they're like leaning into you and listening to your story and paying attention to what's going on. You also have other people that were totally disinterested. You're trying to tell them something. They've got, either got their back turned to you or they're leaning away from you. Which one do you like to talk to most? The one that's leaning in, right? And here, when it, when it comes to relationships, relationships don't happen until you lean into them. You have to make them a priority in your life. So you lean in the direction of the, those other people in your house. That means you make time for them. You cannot build a relationship without the investment of T-I-M-E. The I stands for improving your relationship skills and awareness. That You get better at doing relationships. Here's what I want you to understand today. If you want better relationships, you need better relationship skills. See, building relationship is not just something that happens. It requires skills. There are skills that everybody can learn. You can get better. Somebody would say, well, I'm not a very relational person. My answer to that is, well, get relational. I don't have too many friends. I have a secret for you. Ready? Be friendly. Okay. Right? You learn these skills in your life, and these skills enhance your capacity to lean in. The next one is B. B stands for banning destructive words. We're talking practically here. How do you keep the devil out of your house? Shut up. Okay. Right? Because the devil so many times comes right out through that tongue. The devil wants to, to create a problem in your home. You're agitated about something, and you, you speak before you think, okay? You put your mouth in gear before your mind is activated, okay? And so your mouth is running and saying all kinds of things, and before long, you've said destructive words, and now you've got something to add on top of what's already been frustrating you. You've got a problem that's now exacerbated from what it was before. You've thrown, you've thrown fuel on the fire, if you will, and your words have created a problem for you. Let me remind you today that you can control your tongue. The tongue is not an independent force. It just wags without your cooperation. 
the devil walks into your house through your words. Are you with me today? Okay. So you have to ban destructive words. I'm not going to speak those words. I refuse to say that. Now you can't, you can't, you can't make somebody else change their words, but you can change yours. The Bible says a gentle answer turns away wrath, Proverbs 15, verse 1. You can, even when they are wrathful toward you, you don't have to be wrathful in return, okay? You choose your behavior, okay? So, be you encourage. How many of you appreciate some encouragement from time to time? Come on, raise your hand, nod your head, do something, okay? I think most of us are, we're famished for encouragement, okay? Most of us could use a steady, I mean, we are so bombarded with our own negative thoughts and but the world around us on an ongoing basis, is we are, we are, we are starving for some encouragement. And one of the best things you can learn to do in your house is to speak encouraging words to the people around you. Our show respect. Every human being is deserving of respect. Not one single person in this room today, any of our campuses, you don't appreciate when someone disrespects you, do you? It's a hurtful thing when someone says something that's disrespectful to you, that, 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 that cuts away at your value, your esteem, your worth. And yet, so often in our families, we speak disrespectful words, and we just think they're somehow going to go over that person's head or not make any long-term impact. And here we are, maybe years or decades later, we're still suffering from the disrespect we showed years ago. We sowed seeds of disrespect in our families, in our homes, in our environments, in our workplaces. And what you need to do is make sure that you're showing another person that you respect them. You don't have to agree with them on everything to respect them. Amen? A, accept personality differences. Not everybody in the world is just like you. Thank God. Okay. And not everybody in the world is just like me. And so when you begin to accept the fact that people are different, they have different personalities, it's it's a wonderful freeing thing that happens. When you give another person the permission to be themselves, it's a tremendous thing that happens. And when you get to that place of now, I'm going to accept you're different from me, but, but it's okay. And so L, lean into what? Relationships. I improve. B, Ban what? Destructive words. E, encouragement. R, show respect. A, accept what? Differences. Accept the differences, the personality. So L-I-B-E-R-A-T. Here's one I cheated on just a little bit. Retrain your brain. Okay. Train your brain. When you've had years of maybe bad relationship patterns, you get stuck in a way that you think about a person, right? And you put them in a box, and that's who they are. And, you, and once you get them in a box, they're going to be in that box forever. And you can give them no chance to change, no opportunity to be improved, nothing to grow in their life, because now I've put you in this box, and now I've shaped the box that you fit in. I'm going to view you that way for the rest of my life, okay? And we do that to people, don't we? We put people in boxes, and we never give opportunity for them to, to grow or to change. And so they're always feeling that judgment from us because we've been judged into that box. And you have to retrain your brain to say, you know what? That person doesn't always have to be that way. I can expand my thinking. I can retrain the way that I think about my relationships and relationship patterns. Why is this important? 
Because as goes your brain, so goes your feelings. As goes your brain, so goes your emotions. What you think about is what you feel, okay? If you think about something or someone a certain way for an extended period of time, it's going to create a, a whole set of emotions that you will carry with you toward that person, either good or bad, positive or negative. So retrain your brain. Give people some space in their life. Last one here, the E. Last E. Exaggerate. Read it with me. Exaggerate the positives and minimize the negatives. Now, exaggerate means to make it more than it is. Okay? I, I get that. It's to expand it beyond what it really is. But here's what I want you to see. Anytime you're upset with a person, anytime you're upset with a person, whether you realize it or not, you always exaggerate their negatives. Anytime you're frustrated with someone, in your mind, they're always worse than they really are. You're going to exaggerate one way or the other. So what I want to encourage you to do is start exaggerating the positives of another person instead of the negatives, because if you exaggerate the positives, what you appreciate, appreciates. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing.